Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is Naked Pine. Naked Pine. M.I.P. With Masamela Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, a very special edition of Make It Plain from Miami, Florida, with our friend from the Democratic Coalition and Occupied Democrats wearing several hats, but we're glad to be here with him. Figured since we were in town, we'd check in on what's going on in his world. Grant Stern is here with us. Hey, buddy, how are you? Good, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a well, pleasure. Thank, it's kind of you having me because I'm in your studio here in Miami. That's right, we're here at Miami Podcast Studios. Yeah, and it's great. We're in Miami. Miami's great. The sun is great. I've gotten a tan and everything. Cuban food's pretty good. Cuban food's pretty good. Uh, um, well, i tell you what, since you mentioned Cuban, uh, you want to start there? Yes. Yeah, sure. Because I asked, you know, I asked Grant folks, the situation, if you're just looking at it, it, it looks a little complicated, uh, and it even looks a little suspect. So you're here. You have Cubans here in the streets demonstrating. You have what's going on in Cuba. Um, I think, you know, even to a novice, it's known that there is, there's always been something between Cuban Americans and the Democratic Party. There's something there. There was always sort of a tendency, or at least it was reported, that they like to go in the Republican direction. Oh, yeah. So so what? Yeah. you're here, though. What's going on with Cubans here, Cubanos here in Miami? Well, uh, that's, that's a complicated question, <laughs> but I'll try to give you a not as complicated as humanly possible answer, uh, which is that, yeah, the, the whole thing with Democrats is real, and it dates back, actually, to the Kennedy administration. So there's an old joke around here, but it's the truth, which is that, Cubans are trying to vote Kennedy out of office today. And that's because he was John Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. Even though he's no longer in the presidency. He has not been the president for quite a while. Kind of like when Trump said that Frederick Douglass is doing a great job. But okay, go ahead. Uh, Except that except that uh, (laughs) this time there's at least some there there, which is that, uh, you know, Eisenhower planned the Bay of Pigs invasion. Right. Kennedy took office. Right. Let it proceed. But then withdrew the air support from the Bay of Pigs. Uh, it's it's called La, La Playa Giron. 
And so all these Cubans who were in Florida who trained for an invasion of Cuba back in the 60s to go take out Castro invaded. And then they all became prisoners of war. Mm -hmm. And the Cuban community never forgave Kennedy for that ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. uh, they all became Republicans. They they grew a tremendous amount of brand loyalty. And then the Bush family in particular promoted that. Jeb Bush moved here. They became extremely partisan. And, and that partisan bent stayed all the way until Obama. Obama actually did pretty well with the Cuban voters. And he promised uh, that he would you know, per, pull off some kind of dantan, as we remember right. in 2014. Uh, he did. He went to, to Cuba. He had a press conference, which was aired on Cuban television. Mm -hmm. That's something that had never, ever happened in the history of uh, communist Cuba before. You know, uh, the, the whole thing where, you know, Raul wanted to hold his hand up and he was like, eh, you know, not so much. But the Cubans in the streets today are chanting, si se puede. Like, actually, Obama said that at that press conference. Right. He, his phrase, uh, yes, we can in Spanish. And um, and one of the reasons one of the th th that he engaged with Cuba, he said, I want to get Internet service onto the island. And sure enough, over the last several years, Cuba has actually installed Internet service for its citizens. That's how we know about these protests today. But you have this huge partisan divide inside the Cuban community. You have some a few Cuban Democrats and a lot of Cuban Republicans and. Cubans supported Obama's policies of opening Cuba back up, including a lot of Republicans like Mike Fernandez, uh, the billionaire who, uh, you know, uh, took a, a pharmaceutical company public with uh, CVS. And, you know, like there, there's a lot of very prominent Cuban-Americans that supported Obama's policies. Then Trump comes along and takes the hardest line, which satisfied the hardliners in the community, raised the sanctions level to the highest it's ever been uh, in, you know, the last 20 years. Um, starts incarcerating Cubans that immigrate to America at 700 percent of the rate that the Obama administration had been doing. And, and here we are today with the protests on the island. I, I mean, there's a situation here where in Miami, there's a, a Cuban saying, uh, mango. that means rice and mangoes, two things that don't go together. And it just creates like a headache. It's a mess. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's kind of what you have with Cuba. It's like. Well, you have the protests in the streets here. You have protests there. Um, what's causing it? I mean, a lot of people will tell you what's causing it is the the policies of the regime. They're very strict. Uh, and they actually announced some relaxation of their strict policies in response to these protests. But also the, the embargo has always been the main point of contention between America and Cuba ever since the early 1960s and the Cuban Missile Crisis, which is something that you know, people even our age have forgotten, right? right, right. Our grandparents uh, think about it all the time because Cuba allowed the, the Soviet Union to place nuclear missiles 90 miles off the coast of, of uh, Key West. And that created a huge showdown. And Kennedy, you know, didn't blink when Khrushchev did. And, I mean, there could have been a nuclear war caused by Cuba. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, all this kind of dates back to there. It's all still relevant today. And what's happening in the streets of Miami today, it's got an added level of irony because Florida's governor, who's a Republican, uh, enacted, like personally shepherded and enacted this anti-protest law uh, called HB1 that makes it a felony to block a highway because of Black Lives Matter protesters. And now they're not enforcing it with Cuba protesters. So 
you just have all these crazy political dynamics. And then the other political dynamic that's happening is that the official Black Lives Matter movement, uh, you know, issues a lot of statements that are sympathetic to the Cuban regime. Right. And there's a worldview of Castro outside of the United States. Right. It's very different inside the United States. Right. They see him as a liberator and all these other things. And a lot of them tend to paper over all the abuses on the island. I mean, Bernie Sanders's campaign uh, fell apart after he defended his remarks about Cuba in the late 1980s, right? Uh, and he said, well, they had a great literacy program. Yeah, they, they make you literate, and then they fill you with their propaganda. That's how Cuba works. You know, that's how all totalitarian regimes work, and especially communist regimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was very, I mean, it was a very incendiary remark, and Bernie Sanders uh, lost a third of his support in Florida from 2016 to 2020. Mm. Just just for making those supportive remarks mm -hmm. without irony, which which is that what the Castro regime has done is is awful. It is awful. I mean, they are, you know, major human rights abusers and there's not a question of it, you know. So, I mean, it's like it's tough because you have people who are familiar with what Cuba has done with the Castro regime, with communism. And then you have people that see the positive aspects of it but it's like how people recoil when they find out that trump said well uh hitler did some things right if you said oh you know castro did some things right down here you get the same reaction and mm -hmm. it's because castro is a very very bad guy more mip after this message so is there any with the partisanship and with what desantis is doing is there any potential blowback i mean we know republicans in this country don't do anything you know without some other long-term agenda it would seem is there any blowback for the biden administration or for democrats in general in florida or in in this well i i think that florida democrats have handled this pretty well because we're from here we're used to this issue we get it okay you know we get that communism is bad right we get that the castro regime has been horrific for many many years i mean I have a friend who's an attorney, and he's suing over their practice of essentially indenturing doctors and sending them to other countries to to make money for Cuba, right? I mean, think about it. Like, could you imagine your doctor being indentured to the state and shipped to a foreign country to take care of people in some foreign country so that the United States could get revenue from that doctor? That's what Cuba is doing right now. So we're all familiar with this. Um, the, the issue with party conflict comes when you have people that aren't as educated about the history of Cuba, the party's history of Cuba, why these things are happening, all the issues with people on the ground that are real. But then there's the flip side of it, right? So you have Democrats that are like not fully like ingrained in these issues, right? But you have Republicans that are even local, right? In particular, Miami's mayor, Francis Suarez who uh, is setting himself up as like the telegenic successor to R Marco Rubio, but pretending to not be a very partisan person. He's extremely partisan. I know him pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's somebody who uh, one of the first things he did after he gained uh, elective office was actually inviting Rubio to his office. I mean, I haven't been invited to the office, you know. Uh, so I could just tell you that, um, you know, his position of seeking a, an intervention, it, it just runs counter to all – American political thought on both sides of the aisle right now, when you think mm, about it, mm. you know, I mean, Americans want to get our troops out of wars that we can't win. Like, if we sent American troops to Cuba, like, you think Afghanistan was bad? 
like Cuba would not be very different. <laughs> mm, really? You know what I mean? Yeah. Cuba has mountains. I mean, it's an island. Like you'd have to become the dictator of Cuba to control Cuba practically, especially if you're not, you know, you don't have popular legitimacy. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem right now. The Castros are gone, right? Raul is on the sidelines. He's 90 years old, renounced his last official titles. He's still there, but not right. running things. Right. And, you know, they've, they've kept the mandate of the people because of the propaganda, mm -hmm. right? Because they have a walled garden on their internet. I mean, they, they keep, look, my writing was banned in Cuba. And you could get the Miami Herald and Google and the New York Times back in 2015, but I found out that you couldn't get the website that I used to write for because it was about using your cell phone camera to get police accountability. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just think about that. It's, it, you know, like I think that people need to shed the labels of left, right, Democrat, Republican, and just look at what's happening, like what's happened, what's happening now, and, and look at what's happened in the last decade and say, well, what worked better, right? Did opening up... Uh, relations work better or did, you know, closing relations work better? And I would argue strongly that opening relations, the Obama blueprint, getting more Internet in there. I mean, Obama made the centerpiece of his diplomacy with Cuba, getting the Internet turned on on the island. And I went to a press conference in Little Havana held by Congresswoman Maria Elvira Salazar and Ron DeSantis uh, and Congressman, uh, former Miami-Dade Mayor Carlos Jimenez. I was not permitted entry to that press conference, pretty much kicked out, harassed for recording in front of the press conference. Um, but that press conference was for them to call for more Internet to be installed in Cuba. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you see how, you know, there, there shouldn't be partisanship on this issue today. But Republicans have used Cuba as a, a partisan cudgel for two generations now. And, and I don't think that's going to end. And that's a big problem when it comes to foreign relations, where you have one party using it for partisan purposes, because Democrats are certainly not doing that. In fact, the Florida Democratic Party is pretty much checked out on the issue, which is a pretty crazy thing when you consider that Florida Democratic Party Chairman Manny A. Diaz made his entire career as Ilian Gonzalez's lawyer mm. 20 years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that made his entire political career. Just one more on this topic. You mentioned the Internet. Now... The internet, Obama got the internet brought in, but what has happened? It, it, is it is it true? I, I want to be sure I have it, it correct. The, the government has turned the internet off. Well, they Cuba. they were turning it off. They've right. turned it back on recently. Okay. But there there are hundreds of people that have been disappeared on the island because of these protests, and, and that's pretty much in in line with how the regime has handled everything over the years: disappearances, exiling. You know, it, it's a totalitarian regime. I mean. You know, people snitch to the government. It's um, as it's been described to me. It's like you just watch every word there. Um, staying in Florida politics, um, Val Deming says announced she's running for Senate. She's going to take on Marco Rubio. What, what do you think her chances are? So, look, Val is a huge problem for Republicans. Val mm -hmm. is a Democrat that is everything that is everything that they say Democrats are doing, but in, in the opposite. They can't say one bad thing about her, right? Can't say she's not law and order. Can't she's, she's not law and order. <laughs> she's not defunding the police. She's right, not. Right, right, I mean, right. she's everything that they like. If you could just pick one candidate that is everything that Republicans do not want. That candidate is named Val Demings. Mm -hmm. And she's an amazing speaker, mm -hmm. a woman of, you know, a, a just very. You know, easy to understand beliefs. When you see her speak, 
you, you know where she stands. You're right. not like, right. well, is she just making something up to play for the audience? Or, right. you know, the woman just oozes sincerity. And I think that anybody who saw the impeachment proceedings uh, in 2020, the, the trial, understands the, the power of her thought. I mean, she's just a, a brilliant woman. Uh, so you think, well, she's she's outraised him in the first fundraising report we saw. Um, is is she in good shape? I mean, you, so you think she can pull this off statewide? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. she can pull this off. The, the problem that Democrats have in Florida is not can it happen. This is not a red state like Mississippi, right, mm-hmm. where uh, Mike Espy went as far as he could. Mm-hmm. And I think he got like 44% in that special election or 45%. And that was like considered impressive. Yeah. Right? Um, This is a state where the Senate seat that Rick Scott is sitting in was decided by 10,000 votes. Mm. By the way, those 10,000 votes, many of them probably came from the Congressional District 24 that we're sitting in now. There was a a ballot error in Broward. The district is split between two counties, Miami-Dade County and Broward County here. And there were over 10,000 undervotes in the Senate race. And this is a very heavily Democratic district, one of the most Democratic districts in all of America. So, I mean, 10,000 votes separates Senator Rick Scott. I mean, just just think about that Mm -hmm. from Bill Nelson, who was the incumbent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Ron DeSantis won by about 33,000 votes in 2018. Mm hmm. Um, And we all know 537 votes separated Al Gore and George uh, W. Bush. And that probably wasn't the real number either. Right. But I mean, so this state has always been right on a knife's edge of where is it going to go? The key for Val, and I'm going to say it exclusively right here, is that she needs to campaign heavily in South Florida. This is where the votes are. This is where the base is. She's got 100% name recognition in Central Florida already, okay? She's probably got close to that in Tampa, right? In Orlando, for sure, in that whole area, you know? I mean, she's got a campaign in Jacksonville as well, which is trending blue. Jacksonville has been very red for a long time, but it's been a bellwether, right? And it it was very blue in the last election, right? But in Miami-Dade, people were shocked. They said, oh, my God, there was more votes for Trump than ever before. But they identified a very simple, persuadable margin here, which is that 45% of Miami-Dade voters voted for Marco Rubio in 2016, and only 35% voted for Trump. Hmm. Yeah. And they targeted that margin. 10% of Miami-Dade's vote is hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's 150,000. Maybe it's 200. I mean, there's 2.6 right, right. million residents the last time I heard. So... I mean, we're talking about like, you know, it's a big margin. They targeted it heavily. Trump came here nonstop. Okay. Val Demings could do the same thing. Her Senate campaign needs to introduce herself to voters in South Florida, especially voters of color, voters in the Bahamian American community, in the Haitian American mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. African American, Haitian, uh, Bahamian American community, because there's there's a lot of mix there, there's a lot of overlap, you know. Right, right. And she needs to drive the turnout in those those air uh, those communities if she's going to be able to win, because you know the reason why the Democrats haven't won a lot in 
Miami, you know, in Florida is that they haven't properly targeted Miami-Dade and its unique politics. They haven't targeted South Florida, where all the Democratic voters are. Instead, they've taken this unusual approach. And this is not me saying it. This is like the Florida Democratic Party did it in 2018. I feel like it happened again in 2020. They take the approach that, well, all the Democrats live down in South Florida, so we're going to campaign everywhere else. And what we saw in Florida in, in the 2020 general election is that Democrats did very well outside of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach. Mm -hmm. Miami-Dade is like 12% of the statewide vote. Mm -hmm. A quarter of the vote comes from South Florida. You got to run up the numbers here if you want to win statewide and you're a Democrat. Period. End of story. Good point. More MIP after this message. Let me stay in Florida for a minute longer. There are rumors that if, in fact, Trump does not run or is in prison, uh, (laughs) that people are touting DeSantis to be the nominee. What what are your thoughts about that? Uh, You know, that's a a very, that's not a big secret at all, okay? Republicans have chosen Ron DeSantis in straw polls at their recent CPAC event in these alternative polls where they say, well, if Trump runs this, if Trump doesn't run, who would you vote for? And DeSantis is leading all of those 2024 you know, what if polls. Mm -hmm. And it's not close. It is not close. And I'll tell you something about Ron DeSantis. You know, there's a reason he's called Death Santis around here. The man is very Trumpy, but he's not sold on Donald Trump, the human being, like every other Republican. However, he's got the same authoritarian tendencies and a lot more intelligence to carry them out. And there's an investigation that I've been following for the last three months. And that investigation is coming to fruition actually this week. And it started, it started with a comment directly from the the governor's office saying that they work with state law enforcement to target political opponents locally. They just flat out admitted what they were doing. And as I've gone through documenting what they're doing, it gets more and more horrifying. It is a surveillance state on steroids and I'll just give your audience a little hint of what's coming. The reporting that I did, including multiple public records lawsuits, has made a difference. Mm -hmm. People in the highest encolon of Florida law enforcement have taken notice. And this is all going to come out. And, uh, boy, it's it's a huge story. It's a huge story. I've been working on it for, gosh, uh, three months now and nine lawsuits. Amazing. Nine public records lawsuits. And, and you just published something uh, today. Tell tell us all about that. Well, uh, have you heard about the Arizona election audit? Yes. I'm sure your listeners have followed what's going on with that, right? Um, in Maricopa County, the largest county in Arizona where Phoenix is located. And there's a lot of groups raising money for this audit. I mean, a lot of groups. And... I started investigating uh, one individual named Robert R. Matheson. You know, Daily Beast wrote about him in December of last year. They said that he had, you know, made one of Sidney Powell's websites, which he did. Um, and he got banned from Twitter for being, quote unquote, toxic. I don't know what the whole deal is with that. But, uh, you know, I started following up on him in May after my initial reports that Sidney Powell was under a state investigation for failure to register with our charity regulators before raising funds in Florida, right? Mm -hmm. Well, 
Matheson was linked to her through the Daily Beast story just as somebody who had made a website. Well, it turns out that he's actually still raising money through these websites. And his websites claim to be 501c4 organizations, but they're not registered anywhere. And that's what's in my report, that the state of Florida, probably because of my public records requests, because I, I went to their website and I checked. I was like, well, I'm ready to write a story. This guy's not registered with the state. Uh, he's not registered with any secretary of state. He's raising money saying he's a nonprofit, but he's not registered and he's not incorporated. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, I mean, you have to do both, right? Incorporation right. is a very important step. So, I, I mean, I asked the state, I said, hey, do you guys have any record of this guy registering with, with the state of Florida, you know, as a fundraiser? And they said, oh, we're going to have to look into this. And that was like, oh, I want to say 12 days ago. And then I followed up and again, and, you know, I've, the f- phone calls and I've been asking them for these records for almost two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and they finally came back to me and said, look, we can give you a statement. Uh, we'll give you the record tomorrow. And the statement is that you know, this guy uh, is getting a registration demand. He has to disclose everything to the state. And that's a really big deal because if he doesn't, they can shut him down. And if he knows that he has to register and continues raising money anyway, uh, they can charge him with a third degree felony in Florida under state law. But I mean, the reason this all popped up so wildly recently is that on July 5th, one of his associates, a, a Michigan lawyer named uh, DiPerno, Matt DiPerno, went on to Steve Bannon's podcast and said, hey, we're launching this great new website, and it, here it is, uh, E-I-F-T-T-A-R. Um, <laughs> this guy loves T-T-A-R websites. Iftar, Eftar, Eltar, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, you can go to grantstern.substack.com, and the story's right there on the front page. But, uh, yeah, so like like this guy... Uh, DiPerno is raising money. By the way, DiPerno blocked me on Twitter. I'd never heard of him until he went on Bannon's mm-hmm, podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's raising money and saying that this is 100% going to the Arizona election audit. And I contacted Patrick Byrne, who made a whole documentary. He's on Maddow. He's pretty much like the main guy involved in this this group. And Byrne said he'd never heard of them before. And they're saying, they're raising money from the public, on the other hand, saying... Well, all this money is going to the audit. I'm going to tell you about another story that I broke about a company called We Build the Wall, Inc. Right. Yeah. They said that they were donating all of their money to their cause, and it was a strictly volunteer organization. Nobody was getting paid. They got indicted for wire fraud, mm-hmm. for lying to the public about what they were doing to solicit funds. Mm-hmm. 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 They got indicted. Right? Now, yeah. I mean... You know, I don't know how much money has been raised, but I have heard from an insider that it's millions that have gone to this fellow Matheson and tens of thousands in chargebacks, credit card chargebacks. That's a huge number, you know. So, I mean, we shall see. But, the, the, the uh, you know, because of my reporting, the state took notice. The state investigated. The state couldn't find anything. I mean, he's raising money to a P.O. box in Palm Beach County, Florida. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which is the same reason that they took action against Sidney Powell in a story that I reported out a few weeks ago as well and forced her to register with the state and disclose her information to the state. And we're still waiting on the documents from that. It never stops. Um, anything else hot on the burner? Hot Man, stove for so, the summer? so much anything hot Anything else we can look burner. forward to from you or Occupy or uh, 
Democratic coalition? So the Democratic coalition is working on a big Fox initiative. I can't say too much more, but get ready. Uh, it'll be splashy. Get ready. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm working with Scott Dworkin on the Dworkin Report, of course, right. which is like we just finished a three-part interview with reality winner's mom, reality winner's sister, and her lawyer, Allison Ginter. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's some fire in there. Okay. There's, there's going to be some headlines. Like, okay. no question about it, this series is going to make some headlines because, you know, people don't understand the situation that reality winner is in as a leaker, as a whistleblower, as somebody who alerted America that Russia's cyber attack was probing and, and, and trying to enter into our election system. But the fact of the matter is, would anybody have been so prepared for 2020 if it wasn't for her disclosures? That's right. That's right. So, I mean, we've got great material in the pipeline, uh, so much more to come. And I hope everybody just you know takes a minute to follow on Twitter at Grant Stern or goes to my substack, grantstern.substack.com, which is the Stern Facts newsletter. <laughs> the Stern Facts. Right? The Stern Facts. Folks are here in the Miami Podcast Studios. Good to be here. Good to see you, Grant. Great studio, wonderful studio. We'll have to come back and do this again, but thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Make it plain. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.